Let me just give you the context. I think most of you will already know it. The world is pristine, new, brand new, just being created by God. Adam and Eve are in the world and they get confronted by a choice. And you know the story, how they listened to Lucifer who was disguised as a serpent and the world fell. And when the world fell, the moment that Eve ate that fruit, she began to die. She disconnected herself from Jesus, the life giver. There is no life outside of Jesus. She disconnected herself from Jesus, the life giver, and she begins to die. And God makes this prophecy. And it's a prophecy that gave hope to Adam and Eve immediately in their despair. He says, and he's talking to Lucifer, he says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And then here's the prophecy. He's actually saying, I'm going to send someone, someone from the throne of God, And he, Satan, he will strike you on the head and you will strike his heel. He's saying, I'm going to send a Messiah for the planet. And that Messiah, Satan, will hit you on the head. He will knock you out. He's actually saying he will finish you. He will destroy you. Yes, you will strike him on the heel. You will hurt him. You will cause him pain. But he's saying a Messiah is coming. Now I want to ask you a question. How long did it take from the time Adam and Eve, and you better believe it, Adam and Eve began immediately to look for the Messiah. So who's their first son? Cain. Who do you think he might be? The Messiah. And then Abel. And so forth, down through the sons. Is this the, and you know, every follower of God would look at their son and wonder whether he was the Messiah. How long did they wait? 4,000 years. From the time Jesus made, God gave that promise. They waited 4,000 years for Jesus to come. Now, I get on the Facebook. One of the things that caused me a lot of pain is I see, and I've shared this with you before, how some of my friends, pastors, even ex-pastors, who they've left the Lord, they've left the church, they've left the ministry, they've shunned God and they become so bitter and they become so angry and they they thrash God. They thrash him on Facebook and you get onto to Facebook and one of the things they do is they mock us about the promise of Jesus' return. You know, Jesus said, I will come again when he was walking on this earth. Now, for the first Messiah, they waited how many years? 4,000. How long have we been waiting? Well, actually, none of you have been waiting much more over 60 or 70. <laughs> but as a human race, we've been waiting for 2,000. I, I think there's a little warning in this first prophecy today, and here it is. Don't for a moment think that because we've been preaching the return of Jesus for 2,000 years that it's not going to happen soon. The first time around they waited 4,000 years. We've been waiting half that time and just as Jesus came the first time, you can guarantee he's going to come the second time. And it's on. I'm going to talk about it next week in church. I'm going to talk about the signs. It is on. We will see Jesus 
the same Jesus who came the first time as the Messiah, we will see him come back, and this time to save us and take us home. That's the first prophecy. Let's have a look at the second one. I like this one. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want you to look at that and I want, to ask, I want, I want you to ask yourself for a minute, who's coming here? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will rest upon his shoulder. This is the king, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who came down? It was God. Well, yes, it was Jesus. And I hear some people in Adventism say, well, it was the son. It wasn't just the son. It was God. Do you understand that? It was Yahweh. The King of the Kings, the Mighty God, the Author of Life. It was Jesus, God, who got down off His throne and was, He came to earth as a small baby. It was God. It was God who came down here. I was doing a Bible study with a group of young people when I first went to Warunga a few years ago. It was a long time ago now, almost 20 years ago. And uh, they said to me, look, we've got a friend and he's a great guy. He's really on fire for the Lord. Can he come and do a guest Bible study? And we had 20, 30 young people turning up for Warunga to my house every Friday night. We'd give them a meal and then we'd do the Bible study. I said, sure, bring him along. So this guy comes, young firebrand preacher. Hadn't been to Avondale, but he was a preacher and he's going around sharing his message. And he begins to open the Bible and he shares this message that Jesus is not eternal. That Jesus came forth somewhere in the, the eons of eternity. He came forth from the Father, but he was actually saying there was a time Jesus did not exist. And I found out later he was an anti-Trinitarian. And it was quite embarrassing in front of 20 or 30 youth to have to shut this guy down from the scripture with what he was saying. But I don't want you to leave here today with any doubt in your heads. It was not some created or some brought forth being who came down here as a baby on the earth, grew up and died for you. It was God. It was God. God died for you. God lived for you. It was God. Third prophecy. I like this one because I was born in in Nara base hospital at about lunchtime on a Sabbath on September 14. I like to think that um, God, Jesus, was born on my birthday. You know, there's a lot of talk about the fact that Jesus was not born at Christmas. Well, the fact is he was not born on December 25. In fact, if we were to get to heaven and he was to tell me or us that he was born on December 25, I'd be very surprised because you remember Mary and Joseph had gone from where? To Bethlehem. They'd gone from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be numbered 
because this, because the, the Roman king had asked for the entire empire to be numbered for tax reasons and they'd gone back to their home village and they only travelled in the European, the northern summer. That's when they would travel. So Jesus was born somewhere between when? July, June, July, right through to September. So I was born in September. Wouldn't it be great? I'd love that if the Lord was born on my birthday. We will never know. And it doesn't really matter. But the amazing thing here is you've got Jesus, God giving a promise that Jesus would come. And then God assuring us that when he does come, second prophecy, that it is him, that it is God that is coming. So he promised he would come and then he said, I'm coming. God's coming. And then he says, not only am I coming, but I'm going to tell you where I'm coming to. Now, I was born in Nara. What are the chances of even 50 years before I was born of someone predicting where I would be born? Well, pretty slim. In fact, almost impossible. And yet you've got Micah here. Thousands of years, not thousands, hundreds of years You've got Micah, hundreds of years before Jesus turns up, prophesying about where he would be born. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. What God is saying through the prophet Micah here is, hey, I promised a Messiah, the Messiah is me, and I'm going to be born in Bethlehem, this tiny little village in the region of Ephrathah, this tiny little village is where I choose to come and be born in. Now you're a wise man, or you're a shepherd, and you're in the scriptures, and you're reading, because they're scriptures with the Old Testament, and you're reading these things, do you think you're starting to get a look through a window on who the Messiah is and where he's going to come? Do you think so? Huh? Yeah, you are. So Jesus so far is saying, I'm God. And he says to Adam and Eve, I promise I'm coming. And then the second prophecy, he says, make no mistake, this is not a created being, it's not an angel. It's not someone from somewhere else coming to save you, it's me. I looked down on you, I saw the hurt and I saw the pain. I see what you're going through, I see the death. And God says, I'm coming for you. And he says, so you can know it's me, I'm coming to Bethlehem. Doesn't end there, prophecy four. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. I love this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him, who? Do you know what Emmanuel means? Yeah. Come on, anti-Trinitarians. The very name of the Messiah says what? God is with us and he is born by a... I like to... Um, I don't know whether you call it play tricks or not. I remember Dylan. Where's Dylan and Leah? They're here somewhere. Where are you guys? Up there somewhere. Uh, 
Oh, I can't see them, but anyway. They're here. Oh, there they are, hiding. I didn't just do it to you guys, I did it to, to others too. But I kind of like to play this trick. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to show you the trick. Uh, and I, I need... Okay, Aaron, come here. And Paula, come here. Please, please. I'm learning to say please since I got married. <laughs> Let's pretend one day they get married. Amen. Hallelujah. Come right over here where everyone can see in the light. No, you'll be closer than that. (laughs) Now, Paula, have we got a microphone here? Yep. Green one. Got to turn it on somewhere here. Okay, you're right. Paula, where are you from? Portugal. You're from Portugal? Yes. Can you uh, say something to us in Portuguese this morning? Something that's nice. <laughs> uh, Feliz sábado. Happy sábado. Happy sábado. Feliz sábado. Is that it? Okay, so you're from Portugal. Yes. Thank you. We're glad to have you here too. We're glad to have this beautiful young woman in our firm family. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Now, now, Aaron, where are you from? New Zealand. Oh. Can we get another volunteer? <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> You're from New Zealand. Yeah. Now, 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 answer the question. We look, we look at Paul and we look at Aaron. If they get married one day and they had kids, what would the kid be? Half? Now, you remember when I did this, Dylan, the Bible study? You remember, Leah, with you guys? What would the kid be? Half what? Half? New Zealand. And the good part? Half? <laughs> half what? Portuguese. We'd love you Kiwis a lot more if you didn't have such a good rugby team. <laughs> so you'd have a half Kiwi and a half Portuguese. You could almost say third Kiwi, third Portuguese and third Australian. Australian. So you'd have a mixed up kid, wouldn't you, you guys? <laughs> so Jesus comes to earth. Now let me re- just stay there for a sec. Let me read the text again because I really like this text. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. Now, 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 let's pretend this is Joseph and this is Mary. And Mary tells Joseph she's pregnant. How does he feel? Look, I... I do you know that uh, this Friday, Lizka and I have been married for one year? Hallelujah. Amen. And it's been a happy year, hasn't it, baby? <laughs> You've got to say yes, haven't you? <laughs> it's actually been a really happy year. It was really important to me, I think to Lizzie too, before we got married, for me to know that she belonged to me and no one else. Amen. Don't you like that about your husband? Don't you like that, Owen? That this girl belongs to you. You're proof that God exists too, aren't you, marrying this beautiful girl, huh? <laughs> Isn't it nice to know? And don't you like the fact, Lynn, that he belongs solely to you? So how does, how does Joseph feel when he finds out that Mary's pregnant? Betrayed. But an angel comes and tells him the truth. And what was the truth? Look at this. The father of Jesus was... Who actually was it? Is the Holy Spirit God? Is he a person? He's a third person of the Godhead. That doesn't mean he's 
number three. He's not number three. He's just, we just call him the third person. They are all equal. Three persons. How many gods? One God, like a family. So the Father is the Holy Spirit, but the Mother is human. You, I imagine Mary would look a bit like you too. <laughs> She's human. So does that make Jesus, the baby, half God and half human? My, my brother is married to a Tongan girl. He's Australian. They've got kids. I might have told you. They're amazing kids, aren't they, Liska? Blonde hair, one of them. Blue eyes and brown Tongan skin. Talk about blessed. <laughs> half Tongan, half Australian. Half Kiwi, half Portuguese. If Liska and I ever have... No, let's not go down that road. <laughs> That's not happening, girl. <laughs> you know that she wrote a thing on Facebook the other day when we got our new dog and said, what did you say? Some awful thing where everyone thought she was pregnant. And I said, man, I'm 52. <laughs> you really want one, don't you, babe? <laughs> If we did, it'd be half Indonesian and half Australian. It won't happen, don't worry. I'm just using this as an illustration. I'd have to take long service leave just to get over the shock of that happen. <laughs> Let's go back to Jesus. Is he, and, and, and Leah and Dylan, you're not allowed to answer. Is he half human and half God? What is he? It, it is a mystery. But he is fully, totally, completely human, just like you and me. But if he walked into the room, you can sit down, Kiwi boys. <laughs> but if he walked into the room, this is a deal. And this is what, it's so amazing what Jesus did. If he walked into the room now, I wouldn't worry about you guys, and I don't think you'd be worrying about me. Our entire focus would be on Jesus. I would fall on my knees. I would fall flat on my face in worship because not only is he fully human, what is he? He is fully, completely, totally God. Emmanuel, God with us. Stop and think about it. He gets off the throne. He, ah, oh, we put God, we put Jesus in this small box. He made the entire universe from one end to the other. This world is less than a speck, but we're on it. And he made us, and he loves us, and he loves you. And he got down off his throne, God, and became a human being, tied to the human tied to the human race for eternity. Stop and think right now on the throne. Who's sitting on the throne? Who? God who? Jesus Christ. He's a human being. A human being sits on the throne of heaven, ruling the universe. Now, if our brother is the king, what are we? I am royalty. It doesn't matter that the new idea is not interested or the Woman's Weekly is not interested in me. They're not going to go and take pictures of me with my shirt off on holidays at the beach. 
Or if they do, they'll make sure the magazine doesn't sell, eh, Liska? I'm royalty, are you? Because the one who came down here and became one of us is God, born of a virgin. His father, physical father, is God. His physical mother is Mary. A tie, an internal tie between divinity and humanity in Jesus Christ. And that's why when the wise man, Bible says, when the wise man came into that stable and they saw the baby Jesus, they what did they do to him? They worshipped him. The shepherds worshipped him. The disciples worshipped him. Today in this church we worship him. And the last prophecy, well, I'm going to use a whole heap of text here. We're going to run through them really fast. Watch this. Jesus is the saviour of the world. His life, his birth, his life, his death prophesied, prophesied so intimately in the Old Testament you can't miss it. Watch this. Number one. He would be betrayed. This is the prophecies in the Bible. I'm just picking a couple really fast out for you. Number one, he would be betrayed. He would be betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41, verse nine. That prophecy was a thousand years old when Jesus came. Was he betrayed by a friend? Number two, the Bible says in Zechariah 11, 12 and 13, he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That prophecy was written 500 years before Jesus came. Was he betrayed for 30 pieces of silver? Number three, he will be spat upon and beaten up. Isaiah 50 verse 6, that prophecy was written 700 years before he came. Was he spat upon and beaten up? Number four, he would be silent before his accusers. Isaiah 53 7, written 700 years before he came. Was Jesus in his judgment in the court of Pilate silent before his accusers? There's a, there's, a, there's a really strong case building here. Number five, he would die for our sins, Isaiah 53, 4 to 6. Did he die for our sins? Yes, yes, yes. Number six, he would be crucified, Zechariah 12, verse 10. Number seven, he would be crucified with criminals, Isaiah 53, verse 10. 12. And number eight, he would be buried in a rich man's tomb, Isaiah 53 verse 9. And the wise men in the east and the shepherds in Israel are studying these prophecies. They're looking for the Messiah. And when he turned up, they knew him. They knew him. And I could preach to you all day from these prophecies about Jesus Christ. And they should, as you study them, give you assurance on the reality of Jesus who came as a baby, lived as a man and died as a saviour. They should should give you assurance today. But for too long, in Adventism, we preach the prophecies and we miss the man Jesus. Amen? Amen. I've seen it over and over where people go to our evangelism programs, they listen to all the prophecies, they decide to follow God, 
make a stand for Jesus, get baptised, but they missed him. I want to challenge you as I close with a story. And I go back to Facebook because at college I had a friend. I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him John. That wasn't his name and I do that for his own privacy. We went to college together. He, he was a guy who never mixed all that much with the rest of the, the college guys. Uh, I saw him. I, I would talk to him. It would be wrong for me to say that I ever really went out of my way to really make him a good friend because I didn't, but he was there. He wasn't a bad fellow. Well, he leaves college, and like many of my college friends did, and he was studying to be a Bible teacher like me. He leaves college. When he left college, and I don't know his story, but he somehow leaves the Lord, he leaves Adventism, and he ends up, John ends up bitter, bitter, bitter. He is angry with our church. He is angry with the pastors and with the people of the church. Too many Adventists, when they leave us, end up like this. He's an angry, angry man. I pick him up on Facebook in this, in this uh, particular page, on this particular page that one of my friends who also is an ex-Adventist, began that really attacks Adventism. And he, he, he just brought me onto this page. I didn't really ask for it at all. And I picked this guy up and I remember him from college. And I picked him up because when I'd made a comment on something, he just attacked. Have you ever had this on Facebook, those of you on it? He went for my throat. And it was fierce. And, and, and I, I can't say I, I reacted all that well initially, but when I got over the shock of the language and the way he was talking to me and the way he was talking about the church, I started to see a guy that was really hurt and really bruised and really wounded. And then I thought about this Jesus that we're all looking at this Christmas who got, came down for guys like John who are bruised, hurt and wounded. And I tried to start to reach out to him. And I'll tell you, when you're reaching out to someone like that, it's like banging your head against a closed door. You know what I mean? You've got to be pretty tough in the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, to share Jesus sometimes with people who are hostile, hostile, hostile. But I learned a lesson as a pastor in the last few years that some of those who are the most hostile against you are those who the Lord's working on the hardest. Amen? So if you're sharing Jesus and someone's hostile, don't give up. Use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and don't continue to pound away if they don't want it. But don't give up. And I was, this guy comes to me just a week or two ago, and, and, and this is where I, I bring this Bible study to a climax. And he said, I don't believe in your God. He's a fake. And I don't believe this Jesus. And he used some expletives as he, uh, <laughs> the language is hard to bear. But he used some expletives talking about this Jesus. But he said, if he exists, prove it to me. Get him to come and call me, to follow him. He just said something very dangerous, amen? I said, all right. He said, you and your God have got until December the 31st. He said, I'll bet you he doesn't call me. I bet you he doesn't come because he doesn't exist. And you can hear the pain and the frustration as he shared this with me. So this is my Christmas gift to him this year. And I want you to find someone to give this Christmas gift to in your life. Until December 31, 
I'm going to pray for this Jesus, this great God, who came down and became a baby and lived a life and died, and then went up and is on the throne of heaven today as our Saviour. I'm going to pray that Jesus will call John. John. 